Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. everybody this is in liberty and health episode 25 i seriously cannot believe i'm a quarter of the way to 100 which sounds ridiculous but you know we're rock and rolling here i got ben with me today how you doing brother doing great how you doing just here freezing my ass off in uh southwestern pennsylvania it's uh it's getting pretty brutal out there things uh snowy cold miserable your way uh no i think they're calling for a little bit of snow on like wednesday but but it's it's cold miserable uh, it's starting to get cold and miserable. It was like 63 here today. Okay, Jesus just, Christ. It rained and it just slowly, next few days, temperatures dropping. Yeah, the uh, the weather today was kind of nice in the morning. And uh, I went out to go um, get a few cars throughout the day. And also I was wearing it was like a sweatshirt. And I'm like, oh, well, you know what? It, it, it Like in the morning, it wasn't too bad. I walked into work. I was all right. And then all of a sudden throughout the day, I'm like, this fucking cold rain really fucking sucks. Like I had a uh, 2020 GMC Sierra. Uh, well, you know, before I start going down the rabbit hole, um, let me ask you the basic questions here. Um, you're a fellow libertarian and you're a mechanic. So before we start talking mechanic stuff or libertarian stuff, um, how'd you get to where you are? Um, well, the mechanic side, I started out in uh, in high school. There was a small fleet I worked for on a heavy duties. <clears throat> it was a, a tractor trailer company. I worked for them for just a year, and then I went to uh, uh, Universal Technical Institute. I went there, and then uh, ended up getting into the international truck program there. So then I ended up actually having to move out here to Pennsylvania because I ended up getting a job in Maryland because the only way I get the job paid for was if uh, I went to a dealership to pay for the training. Okay. So it was kind of like a, uh, kind of like a sponsor. The uh, college that I went to in Cleveland had the BMW program where they essentially, you get sponsored by a dealer essentially, and then they would, potentially assist with you moving or they would pay for your training. Um, is that kind of like what that was? Uh, they didn't assist with moving, but you could get, I guess like some guys would be able to get dealerships to get them to move. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't lucky enough to do that, but I was still 
because I'm originally from New Jersey. That's where I originally started out. And then went to school, and then I ended up out here in Pennsylvania. So you're probably – oh, sorry, God. Because I worked – because for the longest time, I worked all the way down in uh, Gaithersburg, Maryland, which mm-hmm. an hour outside of D.C. Okay, so – you're pro- how far away did you have to move? Uh, it's about three and a half hours from home. Okay, well that's that's not you know insanely far, but it's still pretty far. Um, yeah, that's all good stuff. Yeah, I um I moved about two and a half hours away to go to college, and then I moved back to where I'm from. Uh, I interviewed in Florida, I interviewed in Kentucky, I had jobs set up in Mississippi, but um it just so turned out that uh, the best jobs just happened to be back here in southwestern Pennsylvania. Now, looking back, I kind of wish I would have took the lower-paying job down in Florida, <laughs> especially after this last year, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit. Uh, so kind of moving on there, what got you to libertarianism? Because uh, I, there's usually like two kind of stories that you typically hear, but, um, you know, what's uh, which one were you? And if not either, then how? <laughs> um, I grew up in like the normal standard, like conservative household where it was vote for like the re- whatever Republican was running that year. So um, I think first year I could vote was Mitt Romney. What, what year was Mitt Romney? 2012 or 2000? He was 2012. Mm-hmm. That was like the first year. And then I saw his platform and I'm like, well, this has nothing. This isn't related to me at all. So, and then I kind of just like gave up or didn't care about politics for probably probably until like two years ago. And I still really didn't care. And I kind of like tried to let, I did like some test online and I was like, Oh, it's like, Oh, you're a libertarian. You're socially con- or uh, socially liberal, fiscally conservative. And then, and then I found an episode of Rogan with Dave Smith. And then I, then I got sucked down a rabbit hole. That's when I heard, mm-hmm. read, started reading about Ron Paul. I started reading Rothbard, uh, Hoppe, Bastiat, whole list of people. So did, um, for me personally, when I kind of got down in the rabbit hole libertarianism, it wasn't until probably about maybe two years ago. Um, I've been a libertarian probably for about 10 years, but the last two years, really solidified my understanding of economics and especially war because before then i always thought ah yeah well you know we're fighting these wars and it is what it is you know maybe we should be fighting them they do hate us for our freedoms whatever and uh i came to the realization that scott horton and dave smith were really the two that kind of solidified my streak of libertarianism which really brought me full circle um so kind of in that vein was there ever like a big moment for you where everything seemed to click? Cause like, like I said, for me, Austrian economics and those two, you know, Scott Horton and Dave Smith, and I guess you could say Peter Schiff when it comes to economics side of stuff, those three right there were really the three that just completed my libertarian worldview and made me that much more interested in learning about libertarianism and Austrian economics. Um, after, well, after I discovered Dave, that's when I heard Scott Horton. That's where I kind of solidified the anti-war. I was pretty, I was pretty much like anti-war at that point anyways, but he like, he made it more, make more sense to me. Sure. 
and then then I discovered Tom Woods and then how I got into like Austrian economics was I started uh was it his uh the 10 books you have to read he's got like a list of 10 books to read and then I read uh economics in one lesson and then I've been slowly yeah slowly diving through more economic stuff like I just read what has government done to our money and I don't know. I have a bunch of books on the bookshelf that I haven't touched yet. Oh my God. Yeah, dude. It's the worst thing in the freaking world. You, you keep buying these books and then, you know, you, you lose more and more room on your bookshelf and you're like, well, shit, what am I ever going to get to it? Like sometimes, like some of the Mises books are cheap too. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, okay. oh it's, it can't be that. You're like, it can't be that big of a book and I'll buy it. Like, especially Ludwig von Mises books. They're like yeah. 500 pages like this was only this book was only 10 bucks and holy shit <laughs> yeah my god yeah, socialism i didn't think it was gonna be that long I'm like oh it's probably just gonna be a quick short little thing on socialism nope yeah dude you got the whole freaking five meal course and dessert on uh <laughs> You know how bad socialism is. I some people might bust my balls for this, but I really have not read that many libertarian books. Like, uh, I'm trying to think if I actually have really read any. I know I've I've, I've probably read one or two, but uh, the most recent book that I read that was more economics based from the Austrian point of view was How an Economy Grows and Why It Crashes, which is almost like a kid's book written by uh, Peter Schiff and his brother. But um, I, I'd say for anybody that's kind of interested on like ground level kind of thing to just get into Austrian economics. That's probably my go-to and I'm sure uh, economics in one lesson is probably that way too. I have that book, but just haven't gotten around to reading it. And I think, uh, I think Per Bylan, I don't know if you know who he is. Yeah. I think he's coming out with a, like a sh- another short book for economics in one lesson no, or okay. similar to economics in one lesson. I think, I think they said that last time I heard Jeff Dice say it was, December, I think. Okay. So in your job, are you paid like salary or flat rate? Uh, I'm hourly. Okay. You're hourly. Okay. Well, I wouldn't make any money if we were flat rate. (laughs) Okay. Um, Are all the guys in your shop flat rate or hourly? Uh, We're all hourly. It's actually only two of us. It's me and my boss. Okay, right on. Well, I've been a flat rate tech now for probably about a little over six years, I want to say. And it's going to sound almost cliche or stupid, but it really makes you kind of a capitalist in a way because you realize you got to bust your ass to make a living. Um, I've worked with plenty of guys who don't carry their own weight and you know, they're outside smoking a cigarette every two seconds. You know, they turn a bolt on a car and they go out and smoke a cigarette. Or you work with the guys who sit on their phone all day or go play grab ass with the writers or go hang out back of parts. You know, they're doing stuff that just isn't making them productive. Um, so I guess to kind of tail on to that, do you find that your job, kind of the blue collar lifestyle um, makes you more attracted to libertarianism because it, it's more of you know, you work with your hands and it makes you realize the value of your work, which kind of ties back to yeah. property rights. I know I'm going a long tangent here, but in my mind, you know, you earn your living and it's very honest work. So you feel more appreciative of what you got. And, you know, once again, that makes, that gives you a better respect for property rights. 
Yeah, uh, because you look like like I came into the field in a at a dealership, so we we weren't flat rate there, but we were uh, we were commission or we could earn a commission check at the end of the month. Sure. So say um, I had to make seventeen thousand dollars in a month. Mm-hmm. If I made in labor. If I made that much in labor that month, I got a thousand dollar bonus check at the end of the month. Right. And then we were also always a short-staffed shop too, so overtime was always available. All right. So to tail on to that point, do you notice the trend too? And maybe it's just me, but it, it seems like you have a large group of young people, kind of you know, constantly rotating in and out. And then usually there's a very very small amount of people who are in the ages of like maybe thirty to forty. And then like the guys who are 40 to 60, there's like a larger concentration of them. Do you kind of, do you understand what I'm saying? Kind of like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The, uh, the, like the, the 20 to 30 range is very slim. Mm -hmm. And a lot of guys just end up leaving the field. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like there's a lot more people going out than there are coming in. And I mean, I even noticed that when I started, cause I started working for my dad almost 10 years ago, back 2012. And then I started a, a dealership in 2013, but the younger people really don't stick around in this field or if they do, they have to move around a lot, which is interesting. Well, what I noticed with like uh, the trade schools is so many of them come out of school and they think they're going to be making $30 an hour, $25 an hour <laughs> as a tech. Yep. And it's like, dude, you're changing, you're going to be changing oil and maybe getting breaks. And if you're in a flat rate shop, most likely they're not going to give you breaks because mm, four years. that's some, that's some guy's bread and butter. Yep. That's where he's going to make his money for the month. So he's going to take, if he has a chance, he's going to take that ticket. He's not going to let the new guy get that ticket. Yeah, the, I, uh, I've i kind of seen a lot of that play out. And honestly, all the shops I work for, I remember I used to hear guys saying that they were doing engines and stuff. Hourly guys, right? And uh, I, I've worked for probably about five or six different shops. And every single one, the hourly kids, all they did was change oil. Maybe they'd occasionally do brakes. They do all the light work. They do the tires. They do all the maintenance stuff. And then all the bigger stuff, it always went to the other guys. So I don't know if it was just every single shop that I worked at somehow never had hourly kids working on engines or the other people I heard were bullshitting. But <laughs> I think I know where I yeah, fall I, on that. See, I, I, I think with like uh, the hourly or the uh, – uh, on d- the diesel side you come out and most like companies have their own mechanics already mm. like that like that you're doing work it's not like you're doing s- some old ladies working on some old lady's car yeah you're working on some you're working on some fleet's truck so most mm-hmm. likely the only reason it's coming to you is because of engine work or warranty work check engine lights so i it was nice because I kind of like I got thrown right into that. Mm-hmm. So you kind of started off at a little bit more of a higher level than most people perhaps might start at. Yeah, I got what like most like most people I know that started in the diesel field started out as we had. Well, most people I talk to, it's an A or an A, B, and a C tech. Right. 
I saw I I came out of school as a B tech just because I had training. I probably wasn't a B tech when I came out. All right, can you um kind of elaborate on what an ABC tech is? I I have an idea, but uh, just for people who might not be familiar with our field. So a C tech is usually like your oil changes, greasing, brakes, changing light bulbs, maintenance. Yeah, maybe maybe doing some steering work. Mm-hmm and suspension work if it's light and then your b guys are like your uh your transmissions your clutches uh radiators they're like they're doing they're usually like your grunts like they're usually doing like the heavy work and then your a guys are usually like your uh specialists like uh electrical they they do engine work or at least the my shop, I, the shops I worked at as an A-Tech, you still did engine work. But some shops, like an engine rebuild, got thrown down to the B-Tech. The A-Tech was just there to diagnose everything and move that work down the line, especially if it was something like a blown-up motor or something mm-hmm. like that. Right, I got you. Yeah. Um, so you started as a little bit more than just your average maintenance tech, essentially. You kind of got fed to the wolves which kind of happens to uh some people yeah you kind of got to get fed to the wolves but at the same time you need a good teacher Mm -hmm. you need a good senior tech which i was lucky and i had a good senior tech okay they had no problem helping me you know what's funny in my personal experience um all the flat rate guys that i've ever worked with if you ever ask them for anything, any kind of help, they were nine times out of 10 more than happy to come over and help you and try to get you steered in the right direction, which is kind of funny because you would think when the incentive is to just turn an ass load of time and uh, bust out the next car that no, everybody would be very, very selfish. But I think this goes to a greater thing that not a lot of people think about. I was talking to my buddy about welfare and how you could run welfare in a more libertarian world where you wouldn't be so coercive as it is now. Um, The picture I'm painting is essentially that people are more generous than people realize. Like you can get so much stuff by just asking people for it. You know, if you ask the average person if they would give $5 out of each check, if they weren't being stolen from at the exorbitant rates that were being stolen from currently to give to charity, I guarantee you almost every single person that was asked would. Yeah. Um, which I'm trying to think, uh, like a perfect example Rothbard used was, Mm -hmm. uh, the Mormon church. So the Mormon church, um, like in their, like their community, they try, like, they don't want you to accept welfare. If you need like help, like financially, you go to the church. Mm -hmm. And that was like one of his examples of private charities that I've seen him use. Yeah. And the nice thing about private charities is that there's a lot more incentive for people to do better because a private charity will not continue to fund somebody who's complacent, right? You know, the charity will eventually be taken away because they realize that the charity is being taken advantage of. And in a more libertarian society, in my mind, um, you know, I would think that the people who cannot provide for themselves 
um, if you have stronger communities where you know your neighbor and, you know, let's say your neighbor watched your kids or what have you, those who are not able to provide for themselves, I guarantee you that, hey, you know, maybe the community would go around and say, hey, do you want to help buy this person groceries? And then it'd be the next person on the block and then the next person. Like people think in Ancapistan, which obviously we're probably never going to get there in our lifetime. Um, no. People think that there'd be people starving out in the streets and that corporations would be dumping oil into your drinking water. But, you know, I, I think the exact opposite is the case. Yeah. Um, but, well, the thing is, like, even if you wanted to get close to Ancapistan, you still needed a tight, you still need tight knit communities. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's like a big, like cultural change you need to see mm -hmm. before like, if, if that was, if Ancapstan was to ever happen, you need a big cultural change where it's help your neighbor. Right. Well, yeah, because when you strip out that closeness of communities and you eliminate the ability to kind of go to your neighbor and trust your neighbor, then, you know, who do you go to? You go to the government because, you know, they're going to be able to help you out because they have a printing press, you know, they have the Federal Reserve. Um, yeah. I guess the other question I had, and it just occurred to me now again to ask you, um, when the last two years essentially happened and the COVID came around, how did it affect your field? Um, I want your take and then I'll kind of give my take because this is, uh, I got an idea how it happened to most people, but I'm really interested to hear it from a diesel perspective because it seems like there's a lot less diesel techs than there are just regular auto techs, but correct me if I'm wrong. Well, I got pretty lucky um, since I'm a school, like I work for a school bus contractor now compared to mm -hmm. working at a dealer. Um, so school instantly shut down and was that March that of 2020. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have to, or they didn't even lay, they didn't lay any of us off. Uh, they actually, I was only working like half days and I was doing like dumb shit around the shop. Like I was helping like mow the property and everything like that. And they were still paying me my full rate. I got extremely lucky compared to a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. I got lucky because the school district, the County still had to pay, was had it still had a contract to honor so they still had to pay our bus drivers they paid everybody so i got extremely lucky with that and then now everything's pretty much it's not back to normal kids are well we don't wear masks in our building we don't have to unless you mm -hmm. want to um but nobody there, does nobody does there's like maybe like one or two yeah. which that's how like it is when you go into the grocery store where i live mm-hmm and then, uh, but also lucky that uh, my boss, like, he's like refusing to get the vaccine mm -hmm. and everything. So it's like a company like policy. Like he doesn't act like there. He will never plans on asking anyone if they're vaccinated mm -hmm. or any of that. Right. So if I understand this correctly, and if I recall correctly, most um bus garages normally aren't and they're contracted essentially by the state but they're not owned by the state is that the way that goes yeah so we're we're, we're contracted through the K 
county. So some okay, yeah. County some counties in Maryland have their own buses, but Carroll County, I forget how many years ago it was, they got rid of they got rid of their own buses and they rather just contracted out to everybody. Sure. Yeah. So my experience with uh COVID last year, um I was working at a different job than I am now, but um I had been there for probably just over five years at that point. And uh, they originally tried to do like a staggered kind of shift and that was a clusterfuck. Uh, it was like, okay, so one team would work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, another team would work Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And it, it was it was just dumb. And they did that for like a week or two and then they laid a whole bunch of us off. And I was one of those people who got laid off and I like, I, I couldn't fucking believe it. I'm like, dude, I cars break they don't stop breaking either so you know why the hell did i get laid off but uh we eventually got called back i ended up working for my dad under the table for a brief period of time or uh for a federally signed paycheck wink wink (laughs) but yeah i worked for my dad and then once they called me back to work then um you know things kind of you know slowly picked up i was kind of surprised because we were a little bit busier than i thought we would be but we had to wear masks and to my surprise, a lot of the uh, boomer cons that I worked with were like very, very submissive to the COVID deal. And, and, you know, we didn't know what was going on, but I mean, even months, you know, maybe even like a year later, the, these guys were still pretty bought into the narrative. So um, that was kind of my experience with it. Um, I, I, the other question I want to ask here now is you obviously work with a lot of blue collar people as I do. Do you see them, you know, uh, I'm guessing they're mostly GOP, but do you see like a change in them at all over the last two years? Or does it seem like they're kind of done with the inertia of the regime? Uh, uh, most like most of them are like, ant- like anti that uh, not well, not anti-vax, but anti-this-vax. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like refute like. They think the vaccine passports are ridiculous. Like if that is ever a thing, they think it's ridiculous. And a lot of them don't like the government right now at mm-hmm. all. No, that's just because their yeah. guy's not in or yeah. it's actually they don't like the government. Okay. Yeah. In my opinion, in my experience is that I, I think it's more just the fact that it's a Democrat. I really don't think these people are principally anti-government. Um, we were talking a little bit back and forth before the show about kind of the GOP versus LP and the guys who are the GOP route seem to want to capitalize on the anti-government moment that we're living through with the GOP. And I understand that. I think it's a good idea, but the only problem is, is that, if you look at what happened with Trump and his four years is that he did nothing to stop the growth of the state. In fact, he grew it and then spent more than any president before he bombed more, um, you know, more frequently than Obama did in his first year. Then uh, he killed more people via drone strikes um, in his first year than Obama did in eight years. Um, do you think these people are principally anti-government or do you think it's just, you know, hey, Trump's not in, fuck Biden. Or well, let's go Brandon. <laughs> I I don't know. I'm all I can't I'm like kinda like stuck. I kind of think like some like a lot of them 
are like anti-government now because like after the bush years then obama that like nothing good has happened to them like like trump got elected but other than that like nothing good has happened to them so like i think a lot of them are starting to see that the government's not your friend but then there's other ones that i just think that are just loyal to trump yeah yeah and that's kind of what i've noticed and the frustrating thing is is that i agree with them on most of the things that they say but the problem is that when trump was in they didn't agree with what they were saying although they said it they didn't understand that trump actively worked counter to that and that was perhaps one of the things that made me sharply reject the right um for a while and i still feel some of that resentment because it's uh it's annoying because he had the perfect rhetoric as a candidate i mean he almost sounded like ron paul sometimes talking about interest rates and the wars but then as soon as he got in he flipped another coin and no one criticized him for it and it's frustrating because the left had a lot of you know a lot of potential to be good and they just wasted it all yeah i'm uh i don't know the uh i feel like but most of like a lot of the trump supporters i talk to are have been like uh they're better than trump oh absolutely yeah i 100 percent agree and um, like they're I, more like liberty leaning than anything and it's just i don't know i think i think the thing is majority of them don't spend pay a lot of attention to politics they're not like us who are stuck like online paying attention to everything they're kind of just like they turn fox news on on saturday morning or maybe like turn it on for like 15 minutes before they work go to work yeah i i I do think that's probably your average person and that's the I mean, other that's your part. average leftist too yeah I, I think that's part of the uh problem with this whole political thing is that a lot of people want everybody to become a libertarian overnight and everybody wants every other person in the world to want to live in ancapistan tomorrow but the fact is is that that is such a sharp uphill battle and the average person just doesn't care. You know, they got a wife and kids, they got a dog and a picket fence and a brand new truck. And they just don't care to sit down and read excerpts from Rothbard or Mises. Yeah, they, yeah, like, what do you, you can't tell someone, oh, read Rothbard. Like, they're like, well, first of all, who the fuck is Murray Rothbard? Right, and absolutely. Then, yeah. Then you're going to have to explain, like, my one friend, like I've kind of like red pilled him, but I introduced him to uh, Thomas Massey first, and I was like, I was like, he is the closest to my political alignment is Thomas Massey, and then he started following him and everything, and that he like loves Thomas Massey. Yeah, you know that's honestly a great way to start somebody. I would think because. Thomas Massey is good on essentially everything, and he even calls himself a libertarian. And this goes back to my point about the GOP. Look at what he did in 2020. He wanted to force a vote on all the stimulus spending. And he, the one congressperson tweeted and said, Thomas Massey has tested positive for being an asshole. 
Um, I mean, they they drug his name through the mud, and even Trump said that he should be kicked out of the GOP for being a, a I think he called him a second rate GOP. It was something. I'm I'm sure whoever's listening could find the tweet. But uh, this goes, like I said, it goes back to my point about the GOP is that look at how a principled, liberty-minded Republican was treated by the Republican establishment for saying, hey, maybe we shouldn't sign all this socialist spending. That's how he was treated. And you guys think you can take over the GOP? I love to be proven wrong. I don't think I will be, though. Yeah, see, but the thing is that the... the federal GOP didn't like him but I don't know what it would be like if you went and talked to one of his constituents I, at the I, same time yeah I'll honestly I think he like he he wins by a lot when like he won by a lot I think his last election yeah I'm I think sure it was like he 70 did, yeah. to 30 yeah I, I think same thing with Rand the, yeah the constituency definitely likes them but it's frustrating because they're the best of the GOP currently. Um, I hear a lot of people talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, and uh, some of the other guys. I'm just not as Mike familiar Lee with them. Mike Lee is pretty good from Utah. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, Mike Lee's kind of that Ron Paul revolution. He, he, but he's not. Yeah, I'm quite pretty as, sure he. He's not quite as outspoken as uh, Rand or uh, Thomas Massey. And you know, what does everybody love Rand for? They love him because not only is he Ron Paul's son. But nobody has grilled Fauci like him. And that is like one of my favorite things in the world is just listen to him fucking stick it to the man. And that's when he's at his best. But when he's saying, well, maybe we should fund the Iron Dome for Israel or, you know, just being milquetoast, that's where he loses people. But when he's kind of acting in that vein of his father, that's what gets people motivated and if we had more people in the gop who were who weren't afraid to be a firebrand like that then um i think you would have a lot more people attracted to it yeah yeah massey like massey's pretty good at like massey like he's principled like obviously he's the most principled republican or libertarian-esque because i think what he was the only republican that voted no for the Iron Dome? I think so. I know, like I said, I know Rand. He was also, he was also one of only like nine people that voted no for the Iron Dome. Yeah. Well, uh, there's a lot of, (laughs) a lot of nuance. Well, no, I shouldn't say nuance. Uh, There's a lot of uh, funding around that, you know, like they're, uh, you know, Israel's probably lying in the pockets of some people in there and they're probably really pushing to make sure oh, that some yeah, of those people you got vote. APAC. Yeah. Yeah. You know that they're buying some of them people up to just, you know, clear the way there. Um yeah, dude, it's it's fucked up. So um are you kind of into the Libertarian Party and what's going on there? Or uh what's your take on the LP as a whole? Oh, uh, I'm involved in my local LP. Um we just uh about a month because it was Adams Franklin County and we just split it off into two last month. So we're like a new affiliate. Okay. Um, So we're just getting off the ground. Yeah. I feel like I know some people out there, but it's just slipping my Uh, mind right now. Maybe uh, Neil Bellevue. He's the chair. Name rings a bell. Um, Yeah. I think that's how you say his last name. 
Yeah, no, I got you. Yeah, that's uh, that's cool. So um, I- I've said this a lot on the podcast as well, but 2022 and 2024, I think, are going to be really, really big years for the GOP and the Libertarian Party. And unfortunately, potentially, the Democrat Party, too, if, uh, you know, the liberty-minded people don't play their cards correctly. Um, do you share that same optimism going for the next two to three years, or are you a little bit um, more uh, skeptical? I think we're going to see a red wave in 2022 first midterms because with the rhetoric the left keeps using where like, well, this is white supremacy and everything. It's going to, it's going to turn your urban soccer moms and all them to vote Republican because Mm -hmm. that's what you saw in Virginia. Right. Well, kind of, Oh, sorry, God. And then that, yeah, that's pretty much what I see the the way that I, that's why I feel like the country's going to go midterms is it's going to go, you're going to see a red wave. And then luckily then Biden's not going to really be able to, to do anything. He won't be able to push any of his bills. Yeah. Well, I, I'm very, very optimistic as well because you know, they floated out the Build Back Better plan initially, the infrastructure plan, and it was uh, $3.9 trillion, if I remember correctly. And then they knocked it down to $1.9 trillion, and it just kept getting knocked down, knocked down, and knocked down. But I, I think the truth of the matter is that there's not a lot of appetite for big government anymore. I don't think there's an appetite for the vaccine passports. I don't think there's an appetite for what the left is pushing. And I believe that's starting to show up. Um, I don't think people want any of that. So they're going to vote in a way that they think is conducive to not producing that. Um, do you feel a similar way? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know. You, I go around my town and the Trump flags and everything are still up. Yeah. At least from my area. <laughs> no, definitely just, around my like, <laughs> like they have no, like it's going to, go red like i haven't heard like i haven't talked to anybody that's like oh biden's been doing great like this administration's great yeah well it's kind of undeniable that's even from like left that's like that's even from left people like well i I, except for except for boomers mm. i i have like a strong like i used to like be like oh man i hate when people complain about boomers but at the same time they're like the worst voting base yeah boomer the boomer liberals Mm -hmm. yeah it's um uh, it's like undeniable at this point and my only problem with blaming joe biden and look i'll blame him all day because he is largely responsible for a lot of what we're seeing now is that if they think that trump is the answer then they're sadly mistaken because who signed all the stimulus in 2020 because you hear everybody saying biden inflation but it's like did he cause it yeah, because he was vice president for eight years. He's been in the government for 50 years. Uh, so, yeah, he's he's absolutely very, very guilty. But right now, we're specifically feeling the inflation caused by the last, you know, 20 years of 0% interest rates, right? You know, we had George yeah. Bush double the debt, Obama double the debt. And then you get to Trump. Trump spends $8 trillion in a matter of four years. The more, or, you know, more than any president has ever spent in the course of four years. 
And then plus we handed everybody free money. We told people not to work, so we didn't produce anything. And then our trade deficit was exploding because we sent everybody a bunch of free money and they could buy goods offshores. So that started creating the, uh, you know, the backlog of ships that are logged off the shores. So literally like Trump handed Biden this fucking powder keg, right? This powder keg of a fucking horrible economy. And then all Biden had to do was walk into the White House and that powder keg went right the fuck off. But it kind of makes me optimistic because now it's like so bad that people can't deny that Democrats are absolutely horrible. But the bad part is that if they think just putting Trump back in will fix it, that's not the right solution. No. And uh, yeah, mo- like the majority of people are feeling inflation mm-hmm. that I know. Yeah. Everyone's tired of going to the gas pump and paying, well, I'm lucky I get gas down in Maryland, so it's like 40 cents cheaper. But <laughs> you lucky bastard. But yeah, like, I don't know. The majority of people are mad. Mm-hmm. I haven't met a single person that's not mad about how much they're spending when they go to the grocery store, when they buy gas. It's just essentials. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And, you know, I'm sure you're feeling it's just my Simon. Mean, it's, it's, it is very frustrating because I think libertarians need to target it this way. We need to tell people this straight up, like, look, they have stolen your purchasing power. The government has issued currency recklessly to spend $10 million on test tubes for COVID, which turned out to be empty pop bottles. They sent millions of dollars overseas to build natural gas gas stations. I mean, you read the Festivus report and it'll make you want to fucking blow your brains out. But all that, in effect, was stealing your purchasing power out from underneath you. And this hits poor people and elderly people on Social Security on a fixed income worse than it hits you or I because we still have the potential to get a raise, right? Interest rates are so low that their savings and their Social Security, the money that they had tucked away, never grew. It just got destroyed in this inflationary environment. So, um, yeah, dude, it's it's bad. And I think people are angry. I think people are feeling um, the disaster that is our government. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I can't think of anyone that I don't know that's not pissed when they go to the store. Yeah. Yeah. And, I think, and- like, I, I would spend, like, 60 – or, like, last year, I think I was spending maybe, like – 50 bucks a week and then now when i go to the store and i don't even get that much i think i got i went to the grocery store i got a pack of new york strip steaks um like other little stuff and my bill was like 70 dollars. i was like this is insane yeah yeah dude i i use butcher box and I remember they they actually sent out an email and said, "Well, we got to raise our prices." So literally before they raise their prices, I uh, I got like it's probably like 40, 50 pounds worth of just different cuts sent to my house, and I'm about due to get a little more because this was back in September, and yeah, dude, it 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 just sucks, and nobody has seen a raise in their pay or their retirement gone up that much. Um, you see the stock 30 cent raise yeah well yeah i left a job and then got a raise you know going from job to job and then got another raise after about six months but still you know i'm sure 
it's not going to equal out over the next couple of years. You know, you hear the Federal Reserve no. Chairman uh, Jerome Powell saying that uh, inflation is transitory. And now he officially says it's no longer transitory. But you know what? I, I, people want to knock him for saying that it's transitory all the time. But he is absolutely spot on. It is transitory. The inflation is transitory to higher inflation. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's constantly moving up. Yeah, yeah, it's it has no signs of slowing down, no signs of getting any lower. Um, you know, we're going to keep feeling this in our pocketbook for potentially years to come because you're never going to have another Paul Volger like we had back in what was it, the late 80s, early 90s, who put interest rates up to 20% to rein in inflation. But you, they just couldn't do it now because essentially all our debt is short term, right? So yeah. we're borrowing money to pay back the money that we owe. And we already spend 150% of what we take in in taxes. So, I mean, it is like just such a self-licking ice cream cone of a fucking disaster that's going to put this country into a really, really bad place. Uh, yeah, meat's probably the most aggravating. because. Oh, like, my God, yeah. Because I, I work out and everything, and it's like, well, I want to eat lean cuts of meat, but mm-hmm. they're so goddamn expensive. Okay, all right. Well, you know what, since uh, you brought that up, um, since the show is mainly around liberty and health, um, you know, what does your training look like? And uh, I'm let me just say this before you um, go off here. I'm, I'm very glad that you eat meat because the amino acids in meat um, and the portions, the protein and the satiation you get from the protein in the meat is the most important thing about eating meat. And people can argue with me all day about it, but look, it's like an undeniable fact. Eggs. Uh, whey protein and meat have the highest amount of the amino acid leucine, which is key in triggering muscle protein synthesis, which is the process by which your body builds muscle. So, uh, yeah, um, what do you do to kind of stay in shape? Because I'm sure you see plenty of older mechanics are in a pretty rough condition. Yeah, well, I think it was about about two years ago, I was 250 pounds and everything was always sore. Mm-hmm. I was tired of the way I looked and everything. It was starting to hurt. So wait, all right, I'm going to lose weight. So the first thing I did was cut out soda. And then, then I saw my weight drop big time mm-hmm. for a little bit. And then I was still around like 230. So then I, uh, that's when I started working out and eating healthier and everything. Mm-hmm. Originally started out as me just going and doing cardio, but that's the most boring thing in the world. Okay. So then, yeah. Then I started lifting weights and everything. And now, now I pretty much just lift weights. I do like a uh, push-pull leg split. You go six days a week? Yeah, I do three days on, then a rest day, and then three days. Okay. Yeah, you know what's funny is uh, I'm on a push-pull legs right now as well, and I'm doing a, a reverse diet where I slowly creep up calories. And it's funny, you said you were 250 pounds about three years ago, if you listen to my podcast with uh, Ted name, and I kind of dive into a little bit of my own history with uh, diet and health, but uh, I'm down to like 189 now, or well, I usually float around like 185 to 190 ish. But uh, yeah, I'm doing push pull legs as well. And I'm trying to gain as much muscle as possible because I'm getting married next year. So uh, I want to put on a little bit more lean mass. And the one thing I would say to people who are scared of gaining a few pounds is uh, you got to look at your physique, your body and your health is kind of like a bank account, right? So when you do a reverse diet, you slowly creep up your calories to help your metabolism. 
So once you lose a lot of weight, you slow your, you slow your metabolic rate. So you're not going to be able to eat as much. You're not going to burn as much calories at rest. So it's good to do a reverse diet or potentially gain some fat, not a lot. Now, you know, don't mean get sloppy, but gain a little bit of body weight so that way your metabolism goes back up and you're in a better place metabolically. You're putting deposits into the bank. Um, and it's yeah, I did the reverse diet too. Okay, cool. Because cool. I got down, I got, I got down to one, I got down to one eighty five, and like I just felt like I felt tiny. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I yeah, like, I get. I, so then I, so then I started bulking up, and I went a little overboard. Because like right now I'm at two hundred five. <laughs> yeah. But, but that, but at the same time, like now all my lifts keep going up as I'm maintaining. So it's like, Oh, I don't want to lose weight again. All right. How tall so am I? Uh, five ten. Okay. So you're a little tiny bit shorter than me. I'm about six foot. And then, yeah. So in a couple of months or at the end of January, then I'm going to start cutting weight again. Okay. Yeah. I got the problem you. is I don't, I don't want to lose. I don't want to start. I don't want to go in a calorie deficit. Cause that's cause then every, lift is going to start going down in my opinion and i use the carbon diet coach app and this thing has been a a freaking lifesaver took all the guesswork out of my nutrition um if you lose weight very very slowly you'll more than likely maintain all your lifts so like what you'd want to go for is maybe like 0.8 of a pound to at most like 1.2 pounds a week if you stick right around there you won't be that hungry you're not going to feel like crap and you'll lose the weight but you know it just depends on what your goal is like you could fucking fast for days and days at a time and lose a ton of weight i've done that more times than i could count but the problem is as soon as you break the fast it's like you know feast or famine (laughs) it's time to rock and roll yeah, like I don't plan on going crazy. That's why, like, it's probably it's probably gonna be like a like a twelve week cut because mm-hmm. I want to get down to like or try to get down to one ninety around that area because one eighty felt a little too small. And then mm-hmm. once I got up around like one ninety, that's when I felt pretty good. Cool. Yeah. So when uh, I was carnivore last year. And I remember I got down to the 180s and I was doing, I was probably running close to 20 miles a week and same deal, I felt super tiny. But then um, I went off carnivore about six months ago and when I got down to 179 was the lightest I was. I had visual abs and I, I felt tiny, but I realized, okay, well now I should probably start reverse dieting to build back up my metabolism and to put on a little bit more lean mass. Now... I maintain in the one eighties and I'm, you know, I have every bit of muscle that I had when I was up in the mid 200 or, you know, the low two hundreds because I, you know, put the weight back on and then lost it slowly. So uh, that's kind of been my experience with that. Uh, (laughs) I'll ask you the bro question. How much you bench if you bench at all? Um, I don't bench. Okay. Actually, you know, it's funny as I don't either. I do a dumbbell pressing. Do you uh, deadlift or squat? Um, I was, I was deadlifting and squatting, but I, I don't know. I just always felt like I always had lower back problems. There might be something going on in my back. Cause no matter like with squatting, no matter how I changed, like my feet placement and everything like that, I always had pain in my lower back. Mm-hmm. 
and like I would always and I would do it with like I would try with like lightweight and everything like that and keep trying to fix my stance and I just never so I kind of I uh I hack squat Mm -hmm. I got you uh, and leg press for legs pretty much like those are my two main lifts for legs and then uh I used to I deadlifted our my max for deadlifts like 380 something 385 okay. i think yeah my uh my best deadlift i set a couple weeks ago i got 500 almost the whole way up i i was like just short of completing it but i was beating myself up pretty damn good i was uh i want to say i was 185 and yeah about 500 pounds five plates each side i was I was pretty stoked i've done a uh four yeah, I've done 400 for a set of five before as well, which was, uh, that was, that was pretty rough too, <laughs> but those are, uh, those are some of my numbers. I, I'm, I'm trying to, like I said, I'm just trying to put on as much lean mass as possible, but, uh, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of like regular bench. I've never been able to find a comfortable position for my shoulders. Right. And I just never felt, I would never like, I'd only feel it like a little bit in my chest. Yeah, compared I got to like you. when you do dump, compared to when you do dumbbell press, where you feel it more, and that's also why I, or I incline bench. Yeah, well, that's really good as well. Um, everybody, I incline bench always, and I yeah. flat dumbbell. Yeah, everyone I uh, talk to always recommends doing the um the incline press, and you know, obviously everybody that you're um seeing. I think that's what like most bodybuilders do. Mm-hmm. You barely ever see bodybuilders doing flat bench. Yeah, sorry. I'm sure my face is glowing up right here. But have you seen or used the X3 bar at all? No, which one's that? Okay, I'll see if I can do a screen share here. Uh, We're going to be getting a little brave here. I've actually never done this before. So bear with me for a second. Um, It's basically a system of bands and I have one and I actually really really like it but uh it's uh you can get different bands and they're rated for sometimes like up to almost 600 pounds okay maybe i won't be able to do this god damn it oh jesus christ there's a big old button that says share screen wow i am a freaking retard all right all right can you see that Oh yeah, I've never I've never seen that. Okay, here, where is my logout to? Alright. So I use this pretty much every single morning. I don't do it the exact same way that he does it because there's a lot of uh ridiculous claims that are made. I don't know, maybe I'm uh... Okay. So this band he's holding, that band is supposedly rated for 600 pounds. Yeah, I've never seen this before. Yeah. Did you buy buy that when uh, all the gyms closed? 
Yes, yes. And to be completely honest with you, it was a freaking lifesaver. Stop shit. There we go. Yeah. Um, yeah, because like I like all my like I they took like my lifts didn't go up at all for months mm. because I was at home because I, I did mostly body weight stuff. Yeah. And I had I had adjustable dumbbells that I was able to get maybe up to 40 pounds. Yeah, I got you. And then, like, yeah. the old style where you, like, unscrewed. Oh, God. And then you yeah, threw a little exactly plate on. About. Yeah, dude, they're terrible. It's a pain I in the ass too. if I wanted to, like, do a superset or something like that. Yeah, dude, you're, you're – like, I never use those anymore. Uh, the X3 bar is a little pricey. It was just $100 off. Um, but uh, I think it's, like, 550 And if you get the Elite Band, it may be 650 but they just had it for uh, sale, a hundred bucks off. I, I bought it, and honestly, I don't regret buying it at all because you got to think for the resistance that you get with that whole setup. Um, you know, just imagine how much you'd spend on free weights. Um, yeah, yeah, it'd be so freaking ridiculous. All right, we've been bullshitting for about an hour now, um, dude. Let's end this on a good note. Um, what do you see happening in 2022, 2024? And do you think if Dave Smith runs for president, what do you think that looks like? Um, I'm hope I'm more or less like with Dave. I'm just hoping that he can maybe influence more people. They, they don't have to become libertarians, but like just him influence because luckily he'll probably if he runs for president, he's going to get on Rogan. He's going to get on Tim Pool because Rogan will probably end up endorsing him Absolutely. or voting for yeah. him. Because I think he vote. I think Rogan voted for uh, Jorgensen. Yeah, he's always voted Libertarian, actually. Which is funny because he's a like he's like a likes Bernie Sanders and everything like that and Andrew uh, Yang stuff like that. Yeah, well, uh, there's a big appeal to Bernie Sanders and Andrew Yang because they're a little bit more average people. And the one thing that Bernie Sanders had in common with Ron Paul was that he was anti-war and he pointed to real problems that people were facing, but he had the complete ass backwards answer. Um, so yeah, man, I guess go ahead, uh, plug your stuff where everybody can find you if they want to see you or, uh, you know, anything you got going on. Uh, well, I'm on Twitter. I get my, I'll, I'm on my backup account right now. Um, I'll be on, I, th I think my suspension's up on Wednesday, so you can find me at, it's uh, Ben uh, Dickey, but the uh, I is a one. And then uh, I also start, I just recently started a sub stack where it's kind of just me just like, instead of going like writing a whole Twitter thread, if I want to rant or something, I just write on there and that's uh it's called navigating the clown world and it's a uh, navigating dot substack all right cool man well i will plug all your stuff in the description below i appreciate you coming on uh it was, this awesome. was, it was fun cool yeah this was in liberty and health episode 25 everybody take care
Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money. 